Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Standing Room Only Podcast. Ben Standing here. I cover the Washington football team for The Athletic, and of course, I'm the host of this here podcast. Fun episode today. I just talked at length with my colleague on the Washington football team beat John Kime from ESPN. We talked for a while. It won't be a long intro here because there's uh, nothing uh, I want to get right to it. We talked, of course, about uh, Taylor, Taylor Heineke signing, what that means for the quarterback situation, how would we, who, who do we both like um, if they make an addition, what do we think is realistic, uh, both in terms of free agency or the draft. We went through some various options there. We talked about... Um, we talked various aspects of Ron Rivera and compared him to a compared compared his era era to uh, another former uh, another former coach. We talked about the beat changes on it since John's been uh, been around. Uh, how Twitter works it works with that, and uh, you know got into a whole bunch of other you know topics. We talked at the end about Brandon Scherf. Uh, what do we think about the chances of him coming back? And a whole bunch of other just random topics about this team and honestly just sort of about the beat and about life because the world is weird these days. And oh, and of course, John Kimes on the podcast. You're gonna talk about the meat. <laughs> I talked about John's uh, you know, you guys follow him on Twitter at John underscore Kime, uh, or listen to his podcast, the John Kime Report. Uh, you know, he you know, he's big into he's big into barbecue and, and all that stuff. So a fun conversation. You, of course, can check out all of our, our former, all the older podcasts here, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you do your podcasting. I would still urge everybody, everyone, to check out the Jay Gruden podcast I just did uh, last week. It was a lot of a lot of fun. Got a lot of a lot of buzz, uh, as the kids say, about some of the things he said about uh, Dan Snyder, about Tony Romo, and and others. It was a really fun conversation. And, of course, recent interviews have been with Quincy Avery, the quarterback coach for Deshaun Watson and Dwayne Haskins, uh, former uh, Buffalo – or not former, sorry, current uh, Buffalo Bills GM Brandon Bean, former Wizard Center Martin Gortat. And earlier this week I spoke with the Team 980's Kevin Sheehan uh, about um, everything that's going on with this with this team. So hopefully you guys check that out. Subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss any episodes along the way. Follow me on Twitter at Ben Standing. And, of course, you can read my stuff on The Athletic. Let's get to it. Uh, John Kime, we go at length. Here we go on the Standard Room Only podcast. All right. As promised, uh, joining for joining here on the podcast, first time he's on. That's my issue, not his. Mr. Uh, John Kime. Uh, obviously, you can follow John uh, on the on uh, well, go read his stuff on ESPN.com, the John Kime Report podcast. And of course, what most people know him for, his famous Instagram page. <laughs> talk, the talk of the town. Did, did somebody have to pressure you into actually joining Instagram now? Yeah, you know, nobody pressure. Like for a long time, I'm like, do I should I join that? Because I mean, we spend a lot of time with this stuff and on social media and answering stuff. And like, you know, but on the other hand, it does feel like there's another audience out there that you can reach by going over there. And so it makes sense. And I've been on, I actually had an Instagram account. I don't know what it was, but I had to have one to go on to see other players. But I, you know, like you, I have like Gmail accounts and other emails that I like, I have no idea what the password is. So I just forget them. So I just create another one. That's what I did here. So I had actually been on Instagram for a while. I just wasn't active, but I like, I think it's, it gives us give another Avenue to reach people who are not on Twitter or Facebook. Yeah. I mean, I'm not doing TikTok. <laughs> right. I, I, at one point I remember like in the super Cravens era, I jumped into Snapchat because he, this is like when he was, yes. 
going rogue and I jumped in there and after a few few weeks of that, I'm like, you know what? If the world goes over here and I miss out stuff, I, so be it. I cannot be well everywhere. That's where having kids help because I saw his stuff through my kids' Snapchat accounts. That's how I could get the the Sue Craven stuff. Be just seeing that, for, and I know some of that got posted elsewhere. But my kids had the Snapchat accounts, so I used theirs. That's that was. I wasn't creating one to do my own Snapchat stories. Yeah, I mean Instagram, I do, but I got, even for that, I'm just sort of like, you know what? I'm just going to put up pictures of. If I'm out of practice or, you know, my cat, I just, I see what you're doing. I think it's smart to engage audience there. And I don't know, maybe I should, but I just, like, uh, I can barely keep up with Twitter. Uh, it's, and all that. it's hard. And, and the one thing that, one thing I like about, and, you know, it's funny because with Facebook, it doesn't seem like there's as much engagement anymore. Right. Um, but on Instagram, what where you can't, what you can do that you can't do on Twitter is explain in a little bit more detail in an answer. And so you hope to eliminate some of the confusion or just provide more of a deeper account of what happened or what you're thinking and why that you can't do. And sometimes on Twitter, as we all know, things get lost in translation. It leads to issues and you have to explain in three other tweets. Like it just, it becomes a headache. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I had a tweet the other day. Uh, Tony Romo annoyed me when he said that, um, because if Mahomes had won the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl count with Brady would be six to two, and getting to six is doable. But now that it's <laughs> seven to one, getting to eight's like impossible. I'm like, are you serious? Getting to six? Getting to and out yeah. But also, I was like, look, this isn't how the goat debate works. The goat debate it should be: if you're the best player, then you are the best player. The rings part is not the issue. And in my explanation, I said just like if LeBron is the best player that he's the GOAT, not whether he has more rings. And people took that to think I was saying LeBron was the best, which of yeah. course anybody that knows me knows, I definitely am not in that camp. And I was like, are you serious? Now I'm getting accused of saying LeBron's better? Oh, and Twitter, like, yeah. The, 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 <laughs> and it was a bad tweet, probably on my end, but the lack See, of space for explanations. Well, and I wish I because I knew you were a LeBron guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, all right, so obviously we're going to talk about some of the things in the news. Obviously, we're talking on Thursday morning, Taylor Heineke signing. The big signing we were all anticipating was for Washington's quarterback situation. I'm saying that tongue-in-cheek to a degree. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Some other fun things to, to, to get in with John. But I want to start with this, um, not to start off on a, on a somber note, but obviously it's been kind of a rough week um, sort of for the NFL yeah. world. Uh, there's so, so, some, 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 some people passed away. A, a couple of writers, Therese Paler, covered the Kansas City Chiefs, was working for Yahoo. Chris Wessling, who I knew a little bit when I was doing some stuff for Roto World. And then, of course, more connected to this team, Marty Schottenheimer passed away at a long illness. Um, and and uh, obviously, he coached, coached this team, and he had much greater success elsewhere. I, I, I've lost track, and I apologize. Were you you were here when he was yeah. here? Yeah, I was here. Yeah. <clears throat> um, you know, and the, the other thing, Ben, too, is I grew up in Cleveland. So that 80s period where he was coaching there was very meaningful to a, you know, if you grew up there because it was a – really good era and it was for a fam you know they they had it would be like washington getting having success again consistent success after ha you know like that when i grew up the browns were great in the you know 50s and 60s why well, didn't participate in that so for me as a as a somebody who grew up there that was the first experience i really had with a good sustained team so like if you're if you grew up a washington fan of the you know early 90s like and actually it's been longer but like you would get you're getting back to what you felt 
you should where the franchise should be. So, and he was very meaningful in that. And um, so to get a chance to cover him was kind of, was interesting. And now there was a big gap between when that period and when I became a reporter and you go through a metamorphosis, you're not a fan anymore. You are a reporter, but you don't lose that childhood feeling, right? So you have that where, um, you know, so I, like, I felt like it was interesting to cover him. And um, one thing I always knew, first of all, he, he was a very good coach. Um, he also had an ego and I felt like it tripped him up in Cleveland and I felt like it tripped him up here and it tripped him up here in the sense that in some way, you know, Dan Snyder wanted to be more, um, not just involved, informed. And I think there were some things that Marty could have done to keep him informed, which would have helped the situation here. But there are also people working on Snyder's side who didn't like him because of how he was or because of whatever they, because they got, because he got rid of Vinny Serrato and it was a huge mistake to let this guy go. And it was just, it was such an error because not only did you let him go, you let John Schneider go. So like if Marty had stayed here for five, six, seven years and you build something, then you have Schneider to continue it. But it's not what happened. Um, but going back to Marty, what I always liked about him, and I know like some people, my my good friend Rick Snyder wasn't a big fan of, of his at the time. I remember that. Um, but um, what I did like about him is that he was he was very consistent with his message, I think, to players and in his approach. And if you, they lost the game, they were terrible. If you remember, they were 0-5, but not only 0-5, they looked horrible in the preseason. So they looked horrible in the preseason, followed by 0-5. And, and I just kept thinking, it's like, I can't believe this is a Schottenheimer team. But his message every week was, you know, you, somebody asked him, what do you got to do? You got to work harder. You got to work harder. You've got to work harder. And it was just staying on that message. And eventually, there was a near mutiny after five games. and But after 16 – there were only a couple of guys who I would say were not on board with him based on who I talked to. And um, it's just a shame what happened here with him because he was an excellent, excellent coach. I mean, listen, you know, I know that he didn't get the, didn't get the, the Super Bowl, didn't win, obviously didn't win a Super Bowl, had some teams that were very capable. And, um, you know, the game in San Diego, it was a guy, drew, I think he picks off a pass and they fumble it on the return. And it's like that cost them a game. And, you know, little fluky things, fluky things like that. In Cleveland, it was the drive. That was their – yeah, and the binder fumble, you know, the funny thing is, as some, again, somebody right, the drive was was worse because you're at home, it's 98 yards, and this is the one thing there, like, ugh. They were rushing they, – they used a 3-4, rushing with four guys most of the game. On that last drive, a lot of three-man rushes, a lot of pre – more of a prevent. And like once they hit a certain point, you knew, and I was in the stadium at that game. Once they hit a certain point, you knew they were going to score. You just knew it. But that team I felt was better. The, the next year's team, it would have tied the game. Ellie would have had a minute and a half left. And I don't know that, you know, like you don't want to get that guy that kind of time at home. So, but anyway, so it was interesting for me to cover him. That was also nine of the nine 11 happened when he was here. Um, and it was just, it was an interesting time, but it was, you know, I also remember a reporter telling him early in the year, it wasn't me, but I was there for the conversation that, and I think it may have been Rick, that, um, you know, there's already rumors about your job. This is after two games. And he was like, no, no way, no way, no way. This is my first year. No way would they do anything like that. And then Rick was right, um, as he often was back then. The last thing too, and this wasn't on him, but it was about that team where how um, 
first of all, they won with Tony Banks at quarterback. They won eight out of 11 with Tony Banks at quarterback. Yeah. It was a phenomenal coaching job, but it also was an example of a team buying into the coach eventually and then taking on the personality of that coach. But offensively, they were not known for their creativity. And there was a game one day, there was one day we're at a home game. There's a single sheet of paper falling down from the upper deck. And somebody said, there goes Jimmy Ray's playbook. So, and that was, I thought that was a funny line because it weren't known for creativity. That's hilarious. Uh, That's hilarious. But so like part of the reason I wanted to bring this up and you touched on a lot of these things here on some level. And that is at one point during the season, I kind of went, when, when this team started to surge a little bit, I kind of wanted to write about how the parallels between Marty Schottenheimer one year and Ron Rivera's first year were eerily similar all the way to the, to where we almost are essentially right now, starting with, so the coach centric thing, it's not, Rivera is not the first guy, but kind of the first guy here. I mean, Mike Shanahan had juice, but right. Allen existed. So it wasn't like complete autonomy, right? <laughs> um, you had, the, you mentioned the start, they start 0 and 5. This team this year was, was like 1 and 5, 2 and 7. Yeah. The quarterbacks, both of them, not only bench, but in season cut the, 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 the Dan Snyder preferred quarterback, Jeff George then. Right. Dwayne Haskins now they both have the late season surge obviously that team finished eight and went, went, won eight of its last 11 and this team won five of its last seven and makes the playoffs with a weird seven and nine record and all of it on some levels connected to like you said buying into the to these guys uh th- it's obvious that these players this year really bought into Rivera right some of it was inspired by his own personal struggles or you know his journey with with with, with the cancer circumstance that he you know it's great he's overcome that but you know there's definitely more than that early on even when they were struggling it was obvious that these guys the way they were talking I don't think there was any mutiny as far as I know going no. on this year they really bought in and it's just so interesting how these parallels have happened and um I guess it's interesting you, you made the point that maybe Marty his one of his mistakes was keeping Dan out of the loop Ron Rivera clearly to us at a minimum it seems very cognizant of the fact not just sort of the Mr. Snyder stuff, but he's very, like, we're going to talk about things. He's keeping him right. in the And it does feel like maybe he, from a political perspective, he maybe does get that game better. Maybe that's on some level why he's here uh, for year two. Well, and, and absolutely. And I think some of that goes back to his conversation with Joe Gibbs before he took the job. If Joe Gibbs, you know, Joe Gibbs was excellent at um, not just keeping them involved, but, like, he would always – whenever there'd be a big signing, he would always thank Dan and he would bring up Vinny Serrato and their roles in getting this person in, in many ways. It may have been Gibbs's idea that you can learn how to massage the owner to make it think it's his idea, but there are ways that you can do that. And remember Rivera talked to Gibbs a lot before he took this job. So I think there, that's part of it. And I think it's just smart. And I think with Rivera, I think it, I mean, I'm, it seems like that's kind of how he is. So I think, you know, part of it is who he is, but I think part of it is just being smart and listening to, to Gibbs. And if that's how it went, I don't, I don't know if that's the reason why, but it, again, that Gibbs did that well. And there's also more evidence since that Marty year of how you need to be and how you need to finesse this situation. Um, and um, so I think that probably helps too, but it is, you know, it's funny because I talked about that, that parallel a couple of times throughout the year, whether it's on the podcast, even on Kevin Sheehan show or something like that, because there are parallels. Now, the big difference was, I think they bought into Ron a lot lot earlier because he's a different style coach. They're both former linebackers, but Marty Marty was out there. One of the things that got him in trouble early was they ran Oklahoma drill 
in, in um, training camp. It was the hardest training camp that I think I've attended because it was two a days, which, you know, back in the day, but it was full pad two a days. It wasn't just like pad one practice, not the next. It was full pads. They went hard. I was tired at the end of that training camp. And so, but there, you know, but he's out there teaching Daryl, showing Daryl Green how to field punts. I mean, Daryl Green at, you know, this point is an older player who has had success. So you have, you know, I think from Marty's end, it's like, he's just got this enthusiasm to be out there from the players. And it's like, who the hell are you telling me how to field these punts? I've been doing this. Did you see the bears game in, in 80, what, 87, whatever it was, where I returned it with my, you know, rib cage broken. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, so, and, and I know Bruce Smith had an issue with them too. And so, you know, it was, so it took a while for Marty to win that group over, whereas Rivera was instant. But where, I, where you saw the difference was tougher start, strong finish, because I do think that the coaching plays a, fa- a big factor in that. And I think that the, there was, you talk about identities and, you know, we'd ask Ron Rivera that and like, well, the offensive identity, well, they didn't really have that per se, but a team identity they did have. And I think that's what that, Marty year had as well. Eventually you take on the personality of your coach. Doesn't happen very often. I didn't, I haven't seen that enough here. Um, and um, well, not in a good way, <laughs> um, but you know, I think that's what, that was a big similarity too. They took on the personality of the coach. This team was very resilient. The Marty team was very, was, was really tough too. More, more, they weren't, I mean, I guess resiliency is part of that toughness. Um, but yeah, that's, I, so that's where I think the similarities were too. Um, you, you mentioned the idea of coming up with ideas and maybe even sort of making the owner view like maybe it was his idea. When 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 I think I can't remember if Rivera said this to us in the press conference recently or he's did it one of the twelve interviews he did, including years. <laughs> uh, but um, he uh, he made some comment like, "Well, we I was thinking, boy, I don't know how do you know Martin Mayhew, Marty Herney, I like them both." And then he said, "Well, Dan right. Snyder said, well, why don't we hire them both?" And I'm thinking to myself. Boy, I don't know. Something tells me Ron Rivera had that thought before that 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 break. There is no up. doubt <laughs> that he did say that on the Zoom, and you know, and I'd heard that too before. Like that that there was that was maybe one of the holdups, but yeah, I don't think there's any doubt that he wanted to give. I you know, listen, who and who would blame him? But you know, you to get both those guys in there like that. Yeah, I, I think that was um, a a probably a good massaging of the situation. So, and again, I think if if that's the case, I think it's good because now you have two experienced guys that you really trust in there who have been in those, you know, been in certain roles and and whatever. And and, um, so, and they knew at that point, you know, clearly they knew they were moving on from Kyle Smith. So you needed to fill that job anyway. So yeah, I think, I think you're probably right. (laughs) And and you mentioned the idea of the, the taking on the personality um, of, 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 of a coach, you know, I've always said like teams take on the personality of the dominant figure in the NBA world. That was often the best player because the best player has just so overweight right. quarterback on crack in terms of like how, you know, I'm not even talking about LeBron James level, but just anybody, whoever the best player is, they're typically just, that's where the vibe of the team comes. But in football, the coach, or maybe it's the GM, but the coach is the dominant figure. And I think on some level here over time, because, the way things always went, maybe the personality wasn't the coach always because in some cases the coach was 
hamstrung, like I mean, Jay Gruden clearly was. I think the personality almost was like the chaos of the organization became the personality of the, of right. the situation as much as anything. But with Rivera, it does feel like it's a different, um, is a different deal. Um, l- l- let's get into a horrible segue. <laughs> let's get into the quarterback <laughs> stuff. Um, breaking news yesterday, Taylor Heineke, uh, signs. I don't know how it is for you, but like sometimes, like I've you know, I, I got notifications on Twitter and you know, all the national reporters, and, and I have you know, you on as well. And I and, and you see these things, and whenever I see that, it starts with Washington football team. I'm like, oh no, <laughs> what, 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 what is this? My days about to get ruined. What's happening? And then you see that news, I'm like, oh, okay, well, yeah. fine. I mean, I'm not, not, not unsurprising that this was going to happen. I didn't necessarily know what happened Wednesday, but okay, right. sure. Obviously, everybody immediately reacted to the news of two years, eight point seven five million. I think you and I are probably had the same reaction of like, "Well, okay, let me actually Let's see. see see the details." Right. And it's not even close to that real no. number, like a one million dollar, one million dollar signing bonus, and then salaries of more or less of like a million dollars with incentives, incentives. Mm-hmm. you can get up and, and, and whatever. I'm interested in the timing though, and I'm curious what, what, what do you think. So like. Taylor Heineke, like obviously there's a lot of people, we've all been getting the questions. Well, why can't Taylor Heineke be the starter? Look how great he did. Oh, Tampa Bay, uh, you know, he'd be great against Tampa Bay. Look what Tampa Bay's defense just did and all that stuff. And I'm like, okay, you know, there's a reason he was out of the league in right. November and December. And you talk to people around the league and everybody's like, hey, kudos to that kid. He did a great job in that game. He put himself, he got himself a job. He does not a starting job. Not that right. it's going always change, um, you know. Kurt Warner story. Jake DeLone was a guy who under Marty Herney went from a Taylor Heineke type player to a guy who was quarterback in the Super Bowl, but it seems unlikely. But he signs right now. I think to me, it says two things from the team perspective. I think it says that they know that they may not be actually getting a real upgraded quarterback, that they may Correct. have to have some scenario where it is Kyle Allen. They have to resign him still, but that's sort of a, this is going to happen. And and Heineke and the other, the rest of the field, which we can get into in a minute, not exciting. From his perspective, right. if he really had juice the way that fans think, he's not signing this this early. And he's not signing for, I don't want to say that little, I would take the money he just got. But I just mean like, he didn't sign for 8.75 million. That's what he's getting. He signed for basically a 500,000, well, like basically a $1, a $1 million signing bonus and a $500,000 guarantee and the rest We'll see if he had real juice the way people think. He's gonna wait a little bit, even if they can RFA him, you know, tender him or whatever. Right. Yeah, which would have made yeah, which would have made sense if they if they RFA him and probably had a second round tender. Um, because you know, so yeah, and it's always as as you know, and this is this is the hard part about this time of the year because you have to constantly remind people because they react to the initial thing, and you have to see worth up to the up to part is very very important because it's you know it doesn't mean they're going to make that. It's like if you hit all these incentives, if he hits those incentives, it's because he's a, probably he's a primary backup, you know. Um, and like you, the people I talk to around the league would say the same thing, like. They need a quarterback, you know, oh yeah, it was a good story and all that. He's not a starter. I mean, now again, it doesn't mean he couldn't eventually be, but based on the body of work, his body of the body and the knowledge that people have of him from the past, they're not going to project him to that role. So he, so you're right. Like if there was going to be a bigger market, maybe you wait, or maybe you try to get something a little bit more, but this gives him the ability 
to go into camp. And then if you play and you become a primary backup, then you're going to get more. And there's no guarantee of that based on this contract that he'll even be the primary backup. It's just covering his bases in case he does. And I think, you know, his, the agent and, and anybody involved in this is going to understand that one game doesn't put you at a certain level. It just doesn't like Gardner Minshew. There was this Gardner mania in Jacksonville. He's not going to be viewed in a, in a certain way either because there's a body of work with him and one game doesn't do it. So, but what he got and like, there's nothing wrong with saying what he earned was a chance. He didn't have a chance before this, yeah. that, before that game, he doesn't have a chance. Like even based on the, the two drives they had against Carolina, that, that may have gotten him a, a, a you know, a, a contract for camp, right. Or maybe an invite, you get him something, you know, one year deal, get to camp, whatever. That other game got him a little bit, clearly got him this and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with saying that. Right. I mean, um, you don't have to say that now they're solved. Now the problem's solved. But I think and going back to your other point too, Ben, I do agree. I think what this suggested to me is the same thing I said to you. You now have your, they're going to resign Kyle Allen. He's exclusive rights free agent. So he'll be back too. So now whoever you bring in at that third guy, whether it's Alex Smith coming back on a lower deal, whether it's getting, you know, maybe even a Marcus Mariota type or whatever, who you trade for now, now you, now you have guys that you have that, that position and the financial commitment is not that large because you're not going to be signing a guy who's making $25 million a year. You go out and even if you got Mariota, what do you think he's going to, you know, first of all, you'd have to trade for him because he, but his cap hit this year is only like 10 million or so. So your overall commitment to this position is not that great. It allows you then to do other things. But like you, to me, it suggested that they may not be able to get that high-end starter. So make sure you have depth in case the guy who comes in either isn't good enough or maybe gets hurt. Now you have two guys who you know can that you feel you can go play with. So, yeah, that's what it suggested to me as well. By the way, I'm – That's a uh, long-winded answer. No, that's good. Uh, I, I – uh, further proof that i'm uh still uh, rusty at the podcast game i i just got a fancy new mic because i was just what i had before i was working and i realized uh, up until this moment that i hadn't uh, put it into my computer so all this time if you're if people are listening I'm, i hopefully i sound better now than i did the first 15 <laughs> so, uh, oops, yeah. uh, oops, oops, oops on that um been there i'll just call <laughs> you chris russell uh, Chris Russell, you know what? we all make fun of him a lot, but like, I'll tell you what, man, it, you know, honestly, just to veer into that, like it would spend a month now since the season ended and, you know, I haven't seen everybody uh, with any consistency since then. Uh, th- thank God that we, we had a pretty, pretty easy going group. Cause I, I this is, I mean, obviously this is a, a shit year for everybody for all the obvious reasons. Yeah. And to ha- and like, we all have different stuff. And like, for me, like the only interaction I was getting was that group. And if that, if we had had a, like tension in that group, if there was like, people who were you know the massive egos or just pain in the asses whatever oh my god it would have been 10 times worse and you know we, we, the fact that you know everybody had some level of comic relief and chris was yeah. high on the list and just uh oh, I'm, I'm i miss i miss that all i can yeah. tell you I'm, well you know you know ben like it's a 45 and for a lot of us it's like with me just speaking for me it's a 45 minute drive to, to i say redskins park to the facility Same, yeah. and we're only there for maybe 20 minutes and there are days where you say it's just not is, is it worth the drive well of course it is because it's your job 
but I never minded it because I enjoyed being around the group. Now you can compete with somebody, can do all that stuff. We all want to get our stuff. We all want to write this and that, but it doesn't mean you have to hate somebody to, to do that. Right. And so it's okay to enjoy being around the group. And in like you, like that was, you know, I'm, I'm home. My wife's here. My, my son is here. One of my sons is here, but that's the, that was also the extent of my socializing as well. It's seeing everybody there and we all have our little fun bits and it's fun to be around it. And so I didn't mind the drive. The drive back sucked because you knew you had to get home to beat the start of zoom, you know? And so sometimes like if you had to stop for gas, you're like, Oh my God, I might, I might miss the start. And there was one time, Oh man, I'm, there was the Revere one where he was like, I had enough of these quite whatever that, whatever the um, thing where he went off, it was, um, Oh, about, I want to talk about the game, that one. And that one, because like I had to stop and I had to stop at a store or something like that, that I got home for Zoom and I'm like, I thought I didn't see that it had started. So I grabbed something really quick in the kitchen, went on and I see that, oh my God, it already had started because it was, and it was, I wasn't home only but a minute or two. And so I go on there and I'm like, I have no idea what's been, when it started, what's been asked. I hear the end of your question about something and so here comes Johnny Reporter, you know, asking his little question, like, I don't know what's been asked, but I know, like, if you were first and I'm second, I've got to still ask about Dwayne Haskins. But what if you were fifth and all these questions about hasn't been asked and I sound like an idiot? So I took a chance. And I did ask him a question that nobody had asked. It was about how teammates reacted. Then I was going to ask about how do you then take this and move forward and moving forward to the game? Well, before I had a chance to ask that, he jumped in on that. And it wasn't direct. It wasn't, I didn't take anything like that personal because, right. you know, like you, he came in there with an idea that he, at some point you got to cut it off and make your point. I completely get that. I don't, you know, he can say whatever he wants and it made for a decent copy. So whatever, but it was the, it was the whole thing was because of the zoom that, you know, it started a little bit earlier and because I had 45 minutes to get home. So that was the pain in the ass part, but the other part going there, driving there and socializing, that was enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, in, in last in the previous season, my first year with the athletic, like, first of all, none of this the, the only the elimination of traffic. Was oh a mass, yeah, was a massive yeah. aspect of this because if there was traffic, well, for me it day, wasn't an issue. Yeah, for you guys it was. Previously, it was yeah. Traffic was terrible. Yeah. It was why I would like like on like Fridays, like I wouldn't even like want to go out, especially like if I was doing like some yeah. wizard stuff. Like I was like, you know what, this it's, it's, it's not worth it for for what it is. But I didn't mind it at all, and like I said, I looked forward to it. Uh, uh, I've seen Le- uh, Les Carpenter lives near me. I've seen him twice at his coffee place. One time, I literally just walked out for a walk, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna walk by, and I looked inside. And I swear he was in. He was getting his coffee inside. I randomly walked by. I think I think he he is no, it's it's he is normal of that place. Um, it's quite <laughs> it, it's quite uh, quite wild. But yeah, th- thank God. Uh, we had all that, and I don't, I don't, we'll see what happens the next five months here. By the time you guys see me next, I might look like Tom Hanks and like Castaway. Just going to let the <laughs> grow and just be complete. I'll be talking to a volleyball. By the time you see me next, it'll be a, it'll be a disaster. <laughs> um, I assume by the time I see you next in person, they'll have a, a, another quarterback on the roster. And like we, we as we just discussed, like the idea that uh, you know the, the 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 when we talk about comparisons, I, I've been using the Stafford to Amari Cooper comparison, how last year it was clear, pretty clear. It was Amari Cooper was the elite receiver and everybody else was right. like, eh, I don't know the floor, not very high. 
And so they, I thought it was really interesting that they went hard for Cooper, but then kept the money in reserve. They didn't drug the sailor the situation just because they felt they had to spend. We'll see if they do the same thing here. Cause the problem is I don't, I, there's nobody that interesting. Now there's some people who could be interesting, who could, it may be in their system, have success become this Ryan, the Ryan Tannehill of, of this year. You mentioned Mariota. I mean, I like Jameis Winston. He would be the kind of guy I would want, but I don't think he's leaving. He's another one. Yeah. I, I think like I'm looking, I'm looking at this. I don't know how you are like with Kyle Allen and Taylor Heineke, that's their baseline. Maybe it's right. not that exciting to people, but you know, Rivera said he thinks with Kyle Allen, they still would have had the surge they had. Right. Okay. I we'll see. But like, I, I think there's some interest. I've talked to people around the league. I had one GM tell me, he buys into Rivera's optimism on Kyle Allen that maybe he's not like a great starter, but like that you can feel good enough with him to not panic and have to go make some crazy move. Right. So to me, I would look at only the guys who have some upside. So like I said, a Winston, but I don't know. I don't think he's getting out. Mariota, maybe you can make that case. His mobility maybe kind of works in this offense. Mitch Trubisky, man, it feels like he's just a punchline at this point. But again, there is some, there's an upside there where, say, like Andy Dalton. Is Andy Dalton better than Kyle Allen? Probably, but I don't know if I'm, like, that excited. Same thing with, like, a Tyrod Taylor. So I, nothing here excites me in terms of the free agents or the veterans, but that's what I would kind of look for. What Like, if you had to sort of make the call, like, what is there anybody in this group that you actually think, yeah, I would make a play for that guy or somebody you like? Well, I think the Mariota one's interesting because then it's about the cost involved and the Raiders may have to get rid of them because their cap situation. And he does, you know, he showed, he only played, he played the one, that one Thursday night game against Chargers where he looked pretty good. Um, he's got an injury history, but it's his cap hit is what, $10 million. Then it depends on what are you giving up for him. And, and I, but I'd be intrigued by him. And if he can't get it done, he gets hurt. Then you have your guys right there who you know can run your system. And so you're still okay. So with those guys, you can cobble together a nine to 10 win season. Now, there's always a chance that Alex comes back, comes back at a lower cap hit. Um, and you piece together, if you don't think he can get through 16 games, well, you're, gonna, you're definitely lowering that cap hit. Um, and then do you want to extend him out? Because at this age, like you are pushing money to the future for an aging quarterback. But if you think that's your best option and you can make it work and get through it and, all, and you're actually, you're not giving anything up to, to get him. You're just lowering the cap that you can then go do more things in free agency. So, um, but I'm with you. Like, I, I don't, I don't know. I think the, the pursuit last year of Cooper is very, is, is, is an appropriate comparison because they were aggressive for the guy they wanted. And um, there wasn't anybody else that was really going to, that really I felt like was worth that kind of pursuit. Um, and I think in, with the quarterbacks, like I'd be interested, like what does Darrell cost? What would he cost as far as compensation? And then it's like, what are, were you sold on him coming out of the draft? And you still see the same things that you liked coming out of the draft. Cause the hard part for him is if you trade for him, you know, if they want a first-round pick, then you better be damn sold that he's your guy going forward. Because you're going to have – you have the – you'd either extend him right away or you've got that option year coming up next year that you'd have to pick that up in May or make the decision in May. So if you don't know, then you, you're you not going to get him. I mean, you can't get him. I, if you get him for a third-round pick, more power to you. I don't know that you can do that because why – you know, why I think the Jets may – trade him at that point? Like exa- exactly. Keep him and play him and see what happens. It, it, Exactly. And then, you know, even if they want another quarterback. So 
um, so you probably have to give up more. And so that's where like, I'd be, I'd really have to trust my scouts on that one or, or what I felt like about him before the draft. Um, Winston, I'm with you on the same thought process. You know, I talked to some people who felt like, you know, in Bruce Arian's system that he kept pushing it, whereas like, and it, it leads to a lot of interceptions. And we saw that with Brady until Brady took more control of the offense and they went more with what Brady wanted than with what Arians wanted. So in Brady, Brady had the juice to do that. Jameis did not. So, um, you know, I think there are some intriguing options at lower costs than, and what it allows you to do is to keep building. And, and then maybe like, maybe you don't find your guy this year. I'm a big believer. You, you like a guy, you go, you go hard for them if you really like them, but you don't force it. Right. And so it's a be patient, be aggressive kind of approach. And I think they kind of take that. And, you know, so if you don't see your guy this year, you have these two guys add another player to the mix that is either maybe you feel is better, but that if something happens to this player that you're okay and they're not at a huge cost, and then you can add a receiver. You can add a tackle, another offensive tackle, you know, safety, corner, whatever. But you have that flexibility. And then next, let's say you do that and you win a few more games this year. Then next year, you you're have what you feel is maybe a roster further along where you can then make a more aggressive play to get a quarterback. So, you know, I think that's I think there's a they, they, they need to use all. I think they're, they're definitely looking at all those scenarios. Um, and, um, you know, um, so, yeah, I, I just I think that's kind of how I see it. I agree with you. I don't think there's anything. I mean, Deshaun Watson is just a pipe dream for anybody. I think at this point, sure. Um, yeah, and I, Dak, you know, I don't, I'm not even counting. Yeah. And Dak, I'm not like anybody you talk to that I, who has ties there, like he's not going to be, he's not, they're not going to let him go. If, so if, if you want to talk here, if Jerry hears Dak is gonna even getting close to boarding, uh, I don't know what Dan Snyder's plane is called these days, but whatever that plane <laughs> is called, he, Jerry hears that he's th- <laughs> here, 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 yeah, take, yeah. Take, take the stadium. You're not going there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think even like, cause you know, I get, yeah, I'm sure like you, you got all these questions the other day, Dak just followed Washington on Instagram. What does that mean? What does that mean? It means you follow him on Instagram. Now, you know, if you're Jerry and you see if you, you know, listen, if you want to troll Jerry, what do you think you do? You follow these guys on Instagram. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, I think it's kind of funny, but it did not mean anything. No, no, not, 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 uh, not at least, you know, you, you use the term, you know, if you get a Marriott or somebody you could cobble together a, a quarterback situation somewhere. And that word cobble together is one we all use when we talk about certain things. And, and, you know, if we're saying, hey, they can, you know, cobble together a receiver room with with Terry McLaurin, Camp Sims, and you draft the guy in the third round, or you can cobble together a linebacker room if you uh, sign a free agent to go with Cole Holcomb. Cobble together the quarterback position is a rougher go when you want to go like it certainly means you don't have anybody. Right. And so, like, we're talking about like free agents, but like you could you know, it's not inconceivable. Like, even though, you know, they could trade up in the draft. I mean, obviously you have to have a, a willing partner and the board has to fall your way, but there's considered to be like four quarterbacks this year who are probably going to go somewhere in the top 10 or 12. Uh, obviously Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields. And maybe five who go to the top 15. Yeah, maybe. Right. Whereas, yeah, Mac Jones, you're talking about uh, Zach Wilson from BYU and Trey Lance. Um, our guy, Dane Brugler, just put out his new mock draft today on the site and he has Washington trading up. I want to say to the seventh pick with Detroit, um to 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 trade to get uh trey lance uh sort of giving up Ugh. the first round pick for next year and like i think it was like three or four picks uh, right and so 
and, and so I guess what's interesting about that is like on the one hand, if you if you do like one of these guys, then and you don't want to keep cobbling together a rotation because if you do if you do the, the short term thing, you're in the same boat most likely next year unless Kyle Allen has a breakout year or Mariota is literally a, a Ryan Tannehill type situation. Um, then you want to keep him. But other than that you're doing this again. And then, and then, you know, wh- where are you at? At some point you have to sort of try to get off that cycle. But on the other hand, they've talked obviously about not mortgaging, mortgaging the future. And I really wonder, does Ron Rivera have the stomach to deal with burping through another quarterback after what he just went through with Haskins? Now, obviously Haskins situations was a little bit different because some of the maturity issues on and off the field, right. but regardless, if they do view this team as ascending, and I keep talking about this two-year window be- between before you get to 2023 when these rookie contracts starts becoming expensive. How, do you want to wait? You can't predict that one of these guys turns into Justin Herbert and just automatically year one starts crushing it. Typically, right. there's a lot of uh, growing pains. So I don't know if he wants to do that, but that is the way. So if we're saying we don't like anybody in free agency that much, you could talk yourself maybe into liking one of these guys and trading up, but that brings a different issue now. You're probably going with Kyle Allen this year. What, what's your upside now? And how does that work? You're going to feel pressure to get this kid in there. And uh, I, I think that's the other option. I just don't know if I buy that one right now. I don't. Yeah. I don't. And, and I don't because that's, a, first of all, like, you know, and first of all, I love Dane. Dane is great. Um, he's a Mount Union guy. My brother went, my brother played at Mount Union. So I, and I've always followed Dane. I think he's terrific. I would not make that trade Is because that the Joe Dudek school was that that guy? No, no, no. Who, you know who I'm talking I think about? that was was that Holy Cross? I think it was. Who was the guy that was the guy who was on Sports Illustrated cover? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, yeah, yeah. That, no, that was not Mount Union. Oh, that wait, was that wasn't Gordy Lockbaum, was it? No. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, I'll look this up. You keep talking. That was Pierre Garcon. Oh, that was Pierre Garcon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But anyway, so I love Dane, Dane, but like the problem that I would have with that deal is you're mortgaging your future for a guy who's not going to be ready for a little bit. The guy has played one college game. He played one college game this year and he didn't, he only, I think he would give him what, like 17 games total, none against, you know, um, the, the, what is it? FBS um, teams. That's a difficult one to trade up for because now you better love that guy if you're going to do that. I have a hard time seeing that. Now, if one of those guys falls out of the top 10 and you don't have to give up a lot for him, then maybe you do that because, you know, a guy like Lance and even Justin Fields and even Zach Wilson, they can move. Um, and like we, we know in talking to Rivera just throughout the year how much a, a defensive-minded head coach – likes guys who can move because they know how difficult they are to defend. And so I think though that gives an advantage, but I wouldn't trade up too much from I Ben, to be honest, if, if it comes down to that now, unless you, again, if you love the guy, I think you can make an aggressive play. Kansas city did that for Mahomes, but Kansas city was coming off a, I think they were 10 and six the year they traded for Mahomes the year they moved up to do it. And then they went 12 and four the, for the next year. Um, so they were in a position where that roster was pretty set to then say, okay, you got this receiver, this guy, this guy, this guy, we need to upgrade here. This guy can do it. We can be aggressive here. That's why I say I can see as I think maybe a more likely scenario is you bring in a veteran, you trade back and you acquire capital, maybe another pick or so for next year where you can then be aggressive at that point. 
if you're if I'm Rivera, the way I'm thinking is add a receiver. This draft is great for him. So is a free agent class. It's a really good year to go out and get a receiver. Get another tight end to pair with Thomas. Bolster that offensive line, whether it's getting Charles back, City Charles back healthy, um, or you know drafting a tackle. All right, bolster that line because he is very big on that. We know that. Get those parts ready. Win a few more games this year, two or three more wins this year with with that group, right? And then be and acquire some capital for next year. Strike next year. That's that's also I think on the table as well. So you know, and you know that way you're not mortgaging because as he has said, and you know when I when as you said like one of those many interviews that he had, and even on a podcast I think even on the Zoom last week where he would say like, okay, what if you get that guy and now you're putting him with the team that doesn't have enough receiving help and doesn't have enough offensive line help? What situation are you putting him in? And you know if you're if you're Mahomes or, or, you know, some guys like that, like you can overcome that. Can Trey Lance overcome that? You know, that's, that's the thing you'd have to wonder. And so, and again, if you love the guy that much and say, listen, I don't care. Like this guy's going to be a stud for 15 years. Okay. But I don't know that that's going to be the guy, you know, I don't know that you're going to, I don't know that. I don't know that I see them doing that right now to get into the, that spot to, to get one of those guys. I just, you know, it's hard you know, we'll see. And, and one thing I, I wonder is, and this was a big question I had all season, is obviously they had a big surge and it was fun to watch and all that stuff. And there's reasons to be optimistic with the defensive line and, um, you know, McLaurin and Antonio Gibson and just, you know, what the way they played. But it is still on some level, I don't know how good they are. Because even though they, I mean, the, the record wasn't that great, seven to nine, but the down the stretch, I mean, you know, they beat up San Francisco with Nick Mullins at quarterback. They beat Dallas twice, and Dallas had issues in the right. offensive line at quarterback. Pittsburgh, look, they gave Pittsburgh the first loss. I'm not going to d- knock that, but we saw Pittsburgh was clearly on a team on the decline going you know, going forward. And Philadelphia, the last game, obviously, literally <laughs> wasn't trying to win. Um, so it's hard to know what they are. And that's why I almost wonder with Rivera, does he, no matter how optimistic he seems to be, does he actually believe, like to your using the Kansas City analogy, a team that was already there, and now it's like, how do we go to the next step? Does he actually view this team as saying we are on the cusp right now? Or does he view it we're still on the come? So there's no reason for this year to sort of panic, which is why the Kyle Allen Heineke thing kind of makes some sense. Um, because if he's not going to say, well, we're, we're we, we des- I mean, they did go for Stafford, but Stafford wasn't just a one year play. It was right. Uh, uh, Stafford was a long term play. And, you know, he puts you at a different level as well. And you're giving up a first and a third you're not mortgaging your future. You know I mean? You are getting a top quarterback um, in that situation and you can still go out and sign guys. You can still go out. You still have a first round pick next year. You can just say, Hey, Matthew Stafford was the first round pick this year. That's how you justify that. Um, and you can acquire more picks. The other thing too, Ben, like they're going to have some flexibility in the next year or two because they're well, the flexibility, they're probably going to have to trade one of those D linemen as well. So you're going to get picks back that way too, because you're not going to be able to afford all of them. But um, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think that's a question. That's where the self-scouting comes into play. You have to be honest about where you are at with everything. And clearly that defensive front is really good, but then you have to be honest, like, okay, was the secondary good enough? Was the, it was a linebacker play good enough. Well, there was, that was very up and down as we know throughout the year. And so you still have the bolster areas there. And that's why I say, I think, I don't think they want to, I think they know that if they gave up too much capital to get a young guy, 
where are you starting over again in some ways, you know, as far as like your rebuilding process. And I always felt like this year was as much about setting a foundation for everything and about how you want to work, what your expectations are and all that. Now it took a different turn because every other team in the division, you know, Dallas had the injury issues with Dak and all that. So you now you had a chance, but it was also about establishing a foundation as much as anything. And I think that foundation has to be, you know, um, you have to be honest about, where are you really at with this defense? Because I thought they played well, but you can't ignore the fact that this year you played, these are the quarterbacks you faced. You have to be honest about that. It doesn't mean you have to say that we're somehow we're not good. You just have to take that into account when you're watching it. And because there have been some years here, whereas we've seen the defense, we had torn up, but they may have played in a, in a, I've seen that. I can't remember which year it was, but there was like one year where like in a 10 or 11 week stretch, they faced like seven quarterbacks who would be considered top 10, right? That skews your defensive rankings the other way. Um, and again, I'm not, I did not take anything away. I think that front played really well. Um, and we saw the growth and it's a young front. So you see the growth. That's good. You saw growth in Cole Holcomb. That's good. Cam Curl, his growth. But you also saw like, you know, you know, you know, you're probably going to need, to get better safety play, another linebacker that's, you know, you, you look at what Devin White's impact was, um, you know, so like there are definitely still parts they need over there, but I think that group you can rightly say is at a certain, that could play at a certain level because of that front and because of how teams have to scheme that front. Um, so I think that puts you at a different starting point than you have on offense. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, for, for, for sure. Um, we're, we're talking with John Kime for ESPN. I don't think I had to say the ESPN part, because if you're listening to this podcast, I think you know who John is and where he works, but you know, it's appropriate to, uh, it's appropriate to say that, by the way, I, I don't remember this. Or I, I didn't say this. You, I, I doubt you remember this. This is actually the second podcast of mine you've been on when I had I a do podcast. remember. Oh, you do. Okay. Kirk Cousins was... conversation. <laughs> yeah. That was a long time ago. That's uh, what we talked about. Cause like you, you were, you were like, I think it was about, should they have taken two quarterbacks? Yes. That was, I, I do remember that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I still maintain that even though it worked out that cousins was great. I think it simultaneously messed with RG three's brain. I always, oh, I'm convinced that all in, there's no doubt one, all in for week one was a marketing slogan and his way of saying that mother effort is not to getting on the field. There's no doubt. Yeah. No, there's, there's no doubt it played both ways because it did help them in the end. Um, but it certainly led to some paranoia on the players. end, and it, it also, um, you know, at the time I remember saying that like they haven't had a quarterback here for so long that they had a chance to get two guys and solidify that position. But you weren't thinking of Kirk Cousins as a guy who's going to ascend to this point. Right. You know, you kind of be okay. He'll be a solid backup, and if he does anything, you can trade him. Or you know, it turns out he did do something, and then you know. But but yeah, no, it, it certainly. And but I also remember thinking at the time, like if that bothers the guy so much, then maybe you don't have the right guy. Um, and so, but yeah, no, it was. I do, I do, I do remember that very well. well it, <laughs> it actually came up a little bit the other day when I had when I talked to Gruden. Uh, I would talk about like what was his like biggest like what if moment for his time and he, he talked about cousins I thought he was gonna say resigning cousins he actually said that they didn't trade cousins when they had the opportunity right to oh get stuff yeah and that that offseason like I definitely it was after 16 that definitely a few people in that organization he was one of them clearly and other people there 
felt like you got to trade him because they knew at that point he wasn't coming back. Bruce Allen held out hope that that he would change his mind. And as you know, like they made some offers to him that that they felt were good. And then you'd look on the surface and say, and you know, and it's funny because you would say this on social media, like he's going to get more. And people would misconstrue as saying he deserves more. No, you just have to know the market. The market is what he got. That's what everybody was predicting when you talk to people like he gets on the open market. This is what he's going to eventually get. So if you don't want to pay him that, if you know you can't pay that or don't want to, that's fine. This was the time to trade him was after that 2016 year, because at that point you knew they didn't want to go to a certain level and I don't blame them. I always felt like, you know, it was in that 23, 24 range, 23 range. They would have been comfortable as if I'm running it, that's where I would have been comfortable. 30? No, because they would have had to, they wouldn't have been able to do anything around him or whatever, whatever, whatever. But I also didn't think his play warranted that. Um, so, you know, yes, after the 16 is when they should have traded him. And there were multiple people here who felt that. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned the idea of like, Pete, you know, having to explain to people, you know, saying he's going to get more is not the same thing as, as deserving more. And you know, right. that, that, that comes into the sort of the discussion of uh, something I wanted to get into with you, because I'm fascinated by uh, how this sort of job works and how we have to interact with people and sort of, um, you know, in this Twitter era where, you know, so, sometimes I'll, I'll see things are happening on Twitter. I'm like, wait, I understand. Why are we all now discussing just the other day, like Washington calling Carson Wentz or wait, well, I understand how, why is this a thing? And I'm like trying to like trace it back. Did Schefter report something? Did John Kime report something? And what am I saying? Oh, wait, <laughs> it's like Joe fan 72. And I don't mean to discount whoever this is right. like some, some person who has some followers or tweets some version of according to a source X is happening. And then because I guess people just aren't discerning enough on, on Twitter. These things get passed around and then all of a sudden it becomes a thing. And there have been times where even when you do trace it back and you see like sources can come from anywhere. Ideally, you think they come from the head coach or the owner or the player or whatever, but like it could be uh, the guy's best friend is having an idle conversation. I mean, we've all sort of had these things where you're like, wait, what are you telling me here? You, either is this thing and then you run up the flagpole and find out, oh, there's some truth, but you don't always know. But at the same time, you have to keep it, you know, keep it in check and sort of um, play it out. You can't just report things randomly right. if you don't have it. And other people can do this. And then there's even some people who maybe are a little more quasi viewed as media or reporters. And they have maybe it's not even a sourcing thing, but they have takes. And these takes help shape the conversation. But maybe they're doing it in a way where just to use this example of, the, of like a Taylor Heineke, who maybe say, oh, this guy that guy is your starting quarterback, look out. And you're like, oh, wait, what? What are right. we saying? But now this is out there. And people who may not, you know, we see this more in the national news, political news and things, where are you getting your information from? And I know for me, it's incredibly frustrating at times because you try to do the right thing. You try to put out information out there. And I think like you, like I try to talk in grounded ways. I could sit here, we could have a fun podcast and just say, what would you give up for Deshaun Watson? But I don't want to waste my time because it's not going right. to happen in the most likely sense, anything is possible, but it's not likely in any real way. So I'm not going to bother, but other people will run with it. As somebody who's gone through these various iterations, you start off in this, I mentioned like the Marty Schottenheimer era, the internet is a thing, but it's not the dominant thing that we all have now. There was no social media. The access to both to you and to the audience was very different. 
I know it's frustrating. So I want to ask you how frustrating, but like, what do you think about like that aspect of this job and how it's changed where the information, there's always been weird reporting. Even national reporters have weird stuff, but like the way it is now where almost anybody can throw something out there with a Twitter account and you're like, oh no, what are we doing now? Well, and I think the difference for us is we have to be held accountable. Some, some of these fans do not. Like they're just... If you just, you know, if you're not a quote unquote, listen, there are only people of us who do what we do in this market and cover this team. And there are other people who, who kind of, I think, want to be portrayed that way, you know, and, and without saying anything about who it is or whatever. And they, you know, you, everybody's trying to make a living. But like my point in saying that there's only a handful of us who are really out there talking to these people out there a lot. Right. So, um, you know, um, people have to recognize that aspect of it and, and just understand where the information is coming from. And when and I say that, because if, if I put out there something that's wrong based on, you know, faulty reporting or whatever, I'm going to be held responsible because I'm an ESPN reporter. You're, you're from the athletic, you're going to be held accountable for that. You, you have other people who put this out there just because like they're just a fan. So like, you know, what's the accountability? You're a fan, right? So it, I think that part allows some freedom maybe to just say, hey, this I heard this and threw it up against the wall. And I think one of the hard part is what I found with social media too, on the flip side, is that a lot of people do know people. You know, they, they may have a relationship. There was a guy, there was a story a couple of years ago, I can't remember who it was, but there's a guy in Atlanta who is just a random Twitter guy, but he knew somebody who was coming here and he would say that. And I remember even following him because like, oh, it's clear that he knows this person. So he was right, you know? And so I remember even retweeting him because like this guy knows this person. So you can be clear on that. But then there are others who just like, maybe they see a random report over here and say, hey, Washington's going to do this. Or they, they you know, and, and it just, that part gets frustrating because I think it's hard for people on social media to really know who to believe or trust in these situations. In some cases, it's crazy. Listen, even as a fan, I remember when years ago, um, when LeBron was with the Cavs the first time, and there would be reports about them going after Amari Stoudemire. And I get a call from my, my, my son or my brothers might ask me about it. It's like, well, who was the reporter? And you'd see the report or who tweeted that? And you'd see it like, well, okay, I'm just going to wait until – Woj or somebody else follows up on that to see if there's actually any legs to it. Because right. like if it's not, then you just say, you just have to dismiss that because you kind of know where it's coming from. It's like, it's just, it's too big to come out that way. Right. Um, but it is hard. And I don't like, I don't blame there are times where people don't know who to believe. And I don't, and I don't, I don't blame them for that. It's hard. And, and again, there are times where, you know, I remember one time the junkies had some report on the air about something and people ask me about it, it's like, listen, they have relationships with people too. They're going to hear something too, because they're in this community as well. And people may talk to them. And so you don't know, you can't just dismiss it because like, well, they're not a traditional, traditional beat reporter. So, you know what I'm saying? And so it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a very mixed bag as you can, I think you can see just by my answer, like it goes back and forth. Like there's a frustration with it. And, but I have learned to like, I'm not going to chase every little thing. Like if, if Dak follows Washington on Instagram, I'm not going to worry about that because I know more about the situation. Right. Um, if, you know, and then if, but like you, like if there was the Carson Wentz thing, like, well, first of all, 
you can call any team on anybody. And sometimes you're calling a team. And I think Benjamin Albright put this out the other day, but it's true. You might be calling the team and say, what are you guys asking for him? Because you're trying to shape your thoughts on what someone else might cost to go get. Or if you're in a, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't have to mean that you want him, but you can, like, I could call up and say, you know, you guys really shopping Carson? Like, what are you guys asking? Huh? Okay. Thanks. Talk to you later. How's the, how's the weather up there? Okay. I'll talk to you later. Hey, Washington called, called Philly on about Carson Wentz. And I'm not saying, you know, like whatever, you know, and we know that that's, it's, they're not interested. They're not going to trade for him and they don't know what they trade in the division. But, um, you know, it just, I think the internet leads to all sorts of rumors that it can be difficult to ferret out the information sometimes. Like, what do I need to follow up on and what do I not? And then it's like, who is it coming from? And even there are, listen, there are some fan sites too, where you say, you know, maybe this is plausible because like, maybe, you know, maybe somebody there like is DM them about, I don't know, you know? And so it's just, you have to know who it is and who it isn't. And, but I think for, for fans, like I, like I said, I'll kind of stress, there's only a handful of us out there that are, are really checking in on all this stuff out here. Now the national reporters are checking in, obviously, but I'm just talking about like in this local media, it's, you know, I mean, it's, it's just, it's a handful of us. Yeah, it, it, it's just almost more uh, a, a, a note on society how like people just like and look, I think I, we all can be guilty of this depending on the the topic. If you're only sort of not paying attention to some something and you're only casually paying attention and you see a headline and you don't go any deeper in the headlines, whatever it is, you're like, oh, I guess that's what it is. But then if you if you click through, obviously you see more what what actually is happening. It's not nearly as as interesting as the headline, but if somebody were to ask me about that topic, I might be like, Oh, I, 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 I thought, I thought I saw that. Oh, that's not what it is. So I get that people are like that. Did you see, right. did you it's see, hard. did you see the Marty before we talked to Mayhew and, and Herney, they did an interview with Julie Donaldson on their website. Yes. So when it, I forget what the question was, but Julie asked Marty Herney, some version of like, sort of like, how do you maintain, uh, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're, how do you maintain your conviction on whatever it is that you're kind of thinking when you're having in a collaborative effort type thing? And he said that he talks to his son, who I think was an engineer, and said that like when he talks to his son, he doesn't offer opinions on what his son is talking about with his work because he doesn't know anything about being an engineer. He doesn't have that. I mean, he's not a dummy, but he doesn't have that level of expertise. But when it comes to reverse, not his son, but other people come to him and be like, oh, Marty, you should uh, you right. should trade, uh, you know, three first round picks to get Matt Stafford, or you know, why did you what you why do you guys do this? And he's he's learned how to be able to tune that out, and that's what I've always found about sports. Anybody else has had any other job? I had other jobs. I worked in other places before this, and people don't always come to you and say, "Hey, uh, you know, you should do this or you should do that." But in sports, everybody has an opinion. It doesn't matter. Yeah. If you have no clue whether what about Tampa Bay or New England. If you just said Tampa Bay won, what was going to win? And they did. You you think you're a genius, or you look like one. It doesn't matter what you know anything. Um, people can predict a record for a team, and that's, they don't know why they did it. And then it's like, eh. it is, and it's and it's funny because it's it can be. I think it's also the beauty of sports too, because people feel like they can offer an opinion, and they they can try to make a case as to why it's right. Now, I will say there are a lot of times people will say stuff to me. I'm like, oh man, that's not even remotely close to to what you would do in this situation or that or the reasoning or whatever 
but it, but then I also I always joke like sometimes I'll tell a coach like you know I'll make a joke about Twitter I'm like now I know how it must feel to put up with us you know so because they're, they're going to hear stuff from us where you say like no 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 it's not even close so you know we're kind of in that middle I guess um but you know it, I think it is one of the beauty of sports and it can be a um frustrating thing but um you know, I, like I said, I would say the same thing for, for for coaches dealing with us. I think the right the beauty of the beauty of our job, though, is for me is that we do have access. So you can have a crazy opinion and go ask them, and they can say, "No, that's a crazy opinion. Here's why." So now you're more informed. So then I try to take that information and pass it along to anybody who follows me. And I, you know, you want to like I always like to provide. I want to provide as much information as insight and insight as I can. And the way I can do that is by having that access. Um, and it's a, it's a luxury that we have, but it is because we're in this job. And, um, you know, I, 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 you know, I do occasionally you might someone who tells you, like, you should be doing this. Like, well, no, I really shouldn't be because my editors don't, aren't telling me to do that. That's who I'm having to please. But by and large, it's, it's pretty good. And, and if, you know, what I, what I like is if you can, when you have a conversation on social media and I can explain why, this is like I said, going back to Instagram, when you have a longer ability to explain why that may not be the right thing to do, then, it, then it's like, then you feel like you might be helping their knowledge. And in some cases, it's a legit, you know, like they may just have a different opinion, but it's a legit thing right um but in some cases it may be like no you know and, and here's why but um there are times i will say too though there are times like um when fans will ask me something on there and i'm like okay that's a good question i need to go check that out that's happened a lot like i would do those mailbag questions and i'd get questions asked on there and i'll do that for the podcast i used to do that way you know for for espn when we used to do be able to do those or when we used to do those and I would get asked a question, I'm like, I like that question because it forces me to then go ask somebody, which then improves my knowledge, which then improves their knowledge, right? So like there, there's, like I said, there's a good and bad on it. And I try to see, and I want to see the good in it because I, I enjoy the interactions. I don't enjoy accusations, <laughs> um, which we all get, but, you know, um, but I do enjoy interactions. And sometimes again, through those interactions, I've got to go ask other questions. Like even Landon Collins, like the big thing has been like, should he be moved to linebacker? Well, I say no, only from the standpoint that I think he can still help at safety in a, in a, in a role. Between he and Curl, you could have a really good situation and then go get a legitimate linebacker. And, you know, now you're asking the guy to switch when he's coming off an injury, whatever. But it does, it does lead to discussions maybe with other people who say his skill set translates to these three positions, one of which is linebacker. Doesn't mean he's moving there, but then it's like, then you get an idea of certain thinkings and what does translate? Would it be easy to do? I asked Matt Bone on my podcast about this topic. I'm like, what would happen? Like, would it be easy for a strong safety to be moved to linebacker? And he said, it'd be a lot easier to go from there to linebacker than vice versa. Um, you know, my thing has been that you know, you'd have a good big you know, between he and Curl, you have big nickel and strong safety solved. Get a really good linebacker to go with that, and I think you're better off. But um, but again, by those questions on there, it leads to sometimes me asking more and then finding other answers, which helps them. So there's a good like I said, with everything, Ben, as you know, there's a good and a bad. It's just how you're going to spin it and what you're looking for with it.
Right. I mean, one, one thing I've tried to like, I think the pandemic has forced me to like re-examine how I view the world on some level. And uh, one thing has been sort of like, it's all about perspective. You can view everything negatively if you want, but like, you know, if you also just take the same situation that it may be as negative, you view it as in some sort of, well, what's the silver lining in this scenario? You can, you can be happier instead of a bummer all the time. So there is absolutely that. And there are people on Twitter who are, you know, do to ask good questions and or, or yeah. want to want to be engaged in positive ways. Um, and, I just often gravitate towards the negative. Well, and I think like, the, like, I like questions and I like interacting. What I don't like is toxicity. And I think that throughout this pandemic and even before that, like you don't like, I don't want to, I don't like you try to eliminate negativity from your life, which is funny being in the media because people always say we're negative, but it's, but you do want to eliminate the negative forces around you. Right. And so something, you know, with, as you know, with Twitter, it can be very toxic at times. Like I, and you know, this, like I took a break from replying to people on Twitter for a while during the season because it became way too toxic. And I, I just like, I couldn't deal with it because it's, it, it, you know, I would post stuff on there and I would DM some people who had legitimate questions and who were, I know who like, I like them. I like, I like, you know, the good interactions with them, but by and large, I'm like, I've just got to cut back because it's just too toxic at times. And during this pandemic, you know, when all we have is, you know, it's death and it's this and it's that you want to eliminate the toxicity where you can. So it, it, um, you know, that's where you, that's what I try to do. So like, if there's somebody who's toxic, well, just mute them now, you know, or if I have a witty comeback, I don't mind that. Like people always say, why do you engage with that? Well, sometimes you have a snappy comeback. I'm okay with that. Right. You know, it's like, I'm okay. So don't worry about it. But, but you do try to like, if somebody's just that to like, just, just get them off there, just mute them and go on, you know, and there's no reason to, to engage in that. And, and it's, you know, and it still happens. It still happens. I mean, you know, um, but I'm happy answering questions and I'm happy engaging. Um, and if somebody even has a question that I think is like, you know, okay, that's maybe that's silly, but to them it's not right now. If you, if it's silly and you're really strong with it, that's different. <laughs> but if it's, but if you're just like, Hey, I'm trying to learn here and I want to know this, like, okay, I'll engage in that. And then sometimes I'll be, the one hard thing is that, you know, you get asked some of the same questions you know, every day, a number of times, right. you can't answer them all. I can't, I just, you can't because then you're, you know, but if you answer it enough, then hopefully people see it and, and get it. You and know? also like, so. you know, just like with text or email, like tone is very hard to read. In yes. And, and sometimes a person is just trying to be engaging and that's yes. the way it comes across to me having whatever it is, I'm having a bad day. I've, they don't, I've, I've seen a hundred other messages, whatever. I'm like, Oh, are you serious with this question? And then I get annoyed by the way while we've been doing this podcast somebody tweeted at the both of us only so this person clearly must be hacking into my computer to know i i, I don't recall this person that he's picked you and me right this minute and the question is or the comment is i think it's time someone wrote an article about why taylor heineke is going to be the next kurt warner after one full game the proof is there i'm like wait were you did somebody listening to this conversation because i feel like we just discussed this on some weird level 10 seconds That's ago funny. That's that's uh, bizarre. Um, right, well, and I also say, Ben, also say for me when I shouldn't, when I try not to respond, is if Ohio State is playing, because if it's going bad, it's like I'm going to be a little bit more annoyed. And so that's the other thing where you never know, like, and you know, even during a game, like we get, like I during a game, it's hard to you can't reply on game because it's just you're too busy. But I see this stuff a lot of times. You're like, oh my goodness. But then I say that, 
And I'll tweet, I'll text. I don't tweet during Ohio State games. I text my brothers. I text my best friend, text my kids. I'm like, oh, that's the stuff that I see on Twitter sometimes. I'm like, what is this person? I'm like, wait a minute. You know, during a game like that, you just like, it's a momentary thought. It's a two second thought and you move on. And then an hour later, you have a completely different thought. But that two second thought is captured on that medium. And it's like, oh my goodness. But really, it's just like, it's a frustration tweet, right? Okay. You know, but like, I just, like I said, I don't want, you know, I, we're trying to inform and sometimes you have an opinion and it's usually more often than not an informed opinion, hopefully. And so I don't want to be, you know, if I tell you the team is thinking this, don't call me an idiot. I'm just telling you what they're thinking. Right. And if they, they don't like this guy's work ethic, I can't help it. I can't, we can't help what we hear, but um, you know, so if you engage like that, I'm happy to engage. Just don't accuse. <laughs> um, all right. I got, I got a couple last random questions here for, for John Kime. I, I ask uh, everybody who comes on a few random questions. Some are the same, some are different. So uh, here, here, here we go. Be prepared. Uh, we've talked a lot about Twitter. Who, who is the person you wish followed you on Twitter that doesn't? My son. <laughs> I, um, I don't you know, I, I, I don't honestly, I don't know because I really don't care who follows me. And you know what I mean? Like I can't worry about that. So I don't really, what, I don't what, know. I, what do you do with your fruit? What do you do with your time? If you're not worrying about that, that's like 90% of my day is wait, why? Is <laughs> but, I, but, I, but yeah, I mean, like, I just, it's never something the way my philosophy has always been like, and sometimes I don't know. Um, I don't know. It just, it, it just not something like I can't control what somebody else does. I don't care. You know, enough people do and I'm getting paid. And so why am I going to worry about that? Well, okay. Look, if you're going to have a health, you're going to have a healthy approach to something like this. I mean, you know, what do you want from me? Like that's, yeah. I, I think my, I think my, my, my standard answer is Rihanna. Uh, my more like normal oh. answer is like Scott Van Pelt, but, uh, but yeah. Well, like, so I could say like Marissa Tomei or someone like sure. that. And, you know, and, and that's probably dating myself, but like, that's okay. Oh, you know, man. yeah, no, that, that I'm, I'm, I'd be okay if one of the, if somebody like that followed me. Yeah. Rihanna, maybe, that'd, be, that'd be all right. Right. No, that would be, that would be like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That would be, oh, that'd be a day like on your deathbed. So tell me about your life. Well, there was that one day Rihanna followed me on Twitter. Like that, that would be, a, that would be a moment. Um, yeah. Who's your all time, <laughs> all time favorite athlete? Hmm. Oh man. I don't, I mean, it, I'm, I'll be honest. Like I'm looking at my office and I'm looking at a book on Bo Jackson sure. and like, I really enjoy hearing about him. Then I look up at my wall and I got a poster of the LeBron winning the title in Cleveland next to a poster of Michael Jordan with a dunk that is autographed. It's a picture that was autographed. Nice. Um, so, but I don't know, like Bo, I mean, it's hard for me to get past like Jordan, to be honest, because, you know, and I'm a Cleveland guy. So LeBron obviously means something, right? He means a ton. And it's not even about who I think is the best or not. It's about the period in your life that, you know, that there's more mist. There was more mystery to me with maybe Michael because we're growing up in that era. So it's a little bit different than when you're in this job covering things and you're approaching it from a different manner. And there's so much more information about people. Um, but it's, you know, may, I don't know, it's maybe one of those two. And then, but it's, 
you know, it, and then it probably depends on the sport, you know, like if it's, I'd say Jim Brown, but I never watched Jim Brown play, you know, I, I mean, mean I was, a Cleveland guy, I don't know how you can say Michael Jordan because Craig Elo, I mean, like that was like one of the defining moments. Of it's, it's a painful moment, but it was more as a sports fan. So, you know, but like, yeah, I mean, LeBron would, you know, maybe that's him because of again, what he meant, but like, you know, one of my all-time favorite baseball players is Jose Ramirez, you know, for the Indians now. And like, cause I just love his attitude and, and I like how he plays. And, um, you know, I mean, Kenny Lofton was a guy like that for me, you know, Leroy Kelly back in the day for the Browns was that guy was a guy, but I was so young that I didn't know what it meant. You know what I mean? So um, I don't, I don't know if I, I don't think I have just one. That's the thing. Like, I'm not sure there is one, um, but it'd be hard for me to go. I mean, it would be hard as a Cleveland guy. I kind of have to say LeBron. That, but it seems like a reasonable, know, a reasonable. It is, reason. but like, but it's hard for me. Like I said, when I see the Bo Jackson, you're talking about athlete. He was two sports. That's why, you know, and he was great in two sports. And, um, you know, I mean, but it's it'd be hard to go against LeBron, I guess. I don't have uh, posters up in front of it. The one thing I have, this is not a permanent fixture, but I found this recently when I was cleaning out some uh, old uh, football and baseball cards. I'll show it to you all here really quick. I found, I found this. Oh, nice. Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera. So it's sitting here. I got to put it away, but uh, as I was looking up when you were saying you have LeBron and Michael, I'm like, okay, wait, that's, that's, uh, that's weird. Um, (laughs) uh, What, um, you have uh, uh, very good thoughts, very good takes. You, you, you have a good opinion. That's why people re- respond to you and respect you. But we all have ones where we, it just didn't work out. Who was a player that Washington acquired, the draft, free agent, whatever, that you thought was going to work and just didn't? Like for me, like I thought jo- I liked the Josh Dotson pick until, <laughs> until he got here. And then I started being around him. I was like, Oh no. Yeah. I could tell pretty quickly. He didn't have confidence and it was not going to, didn't somebody was going to work, but um, so that was my thought. Did you have one over time? Dachshund would have been, Dachshund would be one too. Although I wasn't not like, it's more so what I heard about him too. And then I watched him and then you talk to people and like, then I'm saying with you, like when he got here, I think it was difficult. Um, You know, I'd say Robert maybe because it was hard to see like and more so from the standpoint that they had their guy for the next 10 years and, uh, and they clearly didn't because you didn't know all the issues going on behind the scenes initially. Um, I don't know if that qualifies because he did have a really, he had a great rookie year. So it's not like it was a mirage completely. Right. You know, um, there have been, there have definitely been guys. It's not like you're right on everything. And I I think there's probably a number of guys, but he, you know, maybe he would be one. Um, Let me, I'm going to look at, I'll look at like, even from a draft pick standpoint, there's probably somebody, you know, where you say um, this guy was. Well, you thought Colt Brennan was going to the hall of fame. I'm sure. Well, you know what? And I didn't. So like one, one thing I don't do is I don't, you don't, you can't buy into the moment per se, you know? Um, I thought like Brandon, no, I didn't think Brandon Lloyd was going to be very good. Um, you know, but again, like Josh Morgan, I thought would be better than he was. Right. Um, I thought he was an ascending guy and, and it turns out he really wasn't. Um, Randall L you thought kind of the same thing. Um, that maybe he would, you know, give them a little bit more than he did, especially what they paid him for. That was a mistake. But 
you know, I'm okay. Like I said, with, it was more so that even, I would say this, Ben, even after you started to know certain things about with that situation with Robert, I still felt like he was going to do something. So maybe that's where I was wrong. And how I think that's where I would say, because like it was more slow to warm up to the issues that were going on. I think that's, that was something that I think was clear because you heard things that off season, but I remember even thinking like going into that year, I'm like, you know, guys are just different. Like maybe this guy come and do it and doesn't have to have all this because he's just different. Well, you realize that no, they're really not different. Right. Um, not that different. And in football, there's so many factors and you, I underestimated some of the stuff going on. So that I'd say Robert after 2012, that 13 season, and um, I think after 13, you kind of knew that it'd be long. Sh- it was going to be tough for them to get to where they wanted to go. Right. Um, but because um, they heard more and more and more. But going into 13, I bought into that more than I probably should have. But, you, you know, you're just thinking this guy's different. So maybe that's I don't, does that count? Absolutely. That's a that's a that's a very that's a very good one. Honest response um, based on a hobby or a habit. What's a Hall of Fame you qualify to enter? Uh, J- JP oh. Finley and I are first ballot 7-Eleven Hall of Famers because of how frequently we uh, we, we patronize the, 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 that, those establishments. I, I guess I can maybe guess yours, but I'll let you. Uh, oh, you can guess. I'm going to and you're probably right. Go ahead. Well, I'm guessing something with the meat. Yes, of course. That That's where because, um, you know, Yes, I'm very proud of that. And I don't, you know, it's funny because I don't consider myself at a certain level compared to like certain guys, but I will say, <laughs> I think I do a pretty good job with the chicken wings. I, you know, I started, I've started, an, I've started to get the brisket good, which is a hard one to do. Um, the smoked beer can chicken is really good. The pulled pork, really good. So I feel very good in that area. Yes, that's, that's going to have to be the area. I would have to say that. I, you know, because it's, um, it doesn't, I always say this, it's not always pretty. The whole process doesn't always go as smooth as you like, but the end result is always worth it. And like, what I always like is when I tell, talk to my kids, my son will say, yeah, I was at this barbecue place. I had some ribs and I just, I just kind of look at him like, yeah, it was mm-hmm. not as good as yours. Now the brisket, if I can nail the brisket, like, like ZZQ, if anybody ever says, oh, it's just as good as yours then I'm going to die and go to heaven. And cause I just, I put them on a different, like if, if I get to the hall of fame, they're in the hall hall of fame, you know, or the hall yeah. of fame, fame, whatever it is, they're at another, another level, but for the, the backyard guy, put me in that one, baby. No, I know that I, you can tell the, the, the joy and the passion you have. With that. It is great. I just did a pork belly last week. It was eight hours in the Super Bowl, and you're out there. And I even put that, that was one of the first pictures I put on Instagram. Um, John Kime, ESPN. But that's, that was one of the first things I put on there. And it was like 7.30 in the morning, and it's snowing out there. And I got it going. It's like, and I nailed it. And it's the first time I've done a pork belly. But it was really, really good. And I made this like, and what I was proud of is as you get going in it is the flavor profile that you build then that's the key and i know you know that <laughs> but that's uh, uh, that's yeah <laughs> that's I, the key I, so like, i but i made this i made this apple juice glaze to put on at the end that really topped it off and i was like i'm really proud of that and so like yeah that was next level like i mean you, I but going you back talk. to the twitter and going go i'm sorry going back to the twitter conversation about like I put that post that picture on there, I put it on Twitter too. And some guy comes back at me and is like, 
like, oh, oh, you're a big deal. You what are you some kind of hard ass? Like, like no, like nobody else is doing this hard ass. Like, it's just a picture of a grill of a smoker, and this is the reaction it gets. I'm like, how angry are you that you have to say something like that about like you? And it wasn't even somebody who follows me. It's like you had to then go into somebody else's feed and comment on that. And like, what is that? But anyway, yes, grilling hall of fame. Yeah, no, I mean, yes, you, you, you I, I mean, I know you talk about it sometimes when you have like Chef Mel on or, 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 or other, like, Tailgate you ever, like Ted. you ever legitimately think of doing a separate podcast just to, I thought about that and it would be, I would, I would love to, I had one of my favorites too on this. I had this a woman, Diva Q, Danielle Diva, who's, she does, um, Daniel Bennett. Um, she, um, has only she's been on TV. She's an expert expert at, in this, and she's she's a high level. In the field. I had her on for like thirty minutes or something, twenty five minutes, and it was great because I learned a lot. And like, if you like barbecue, you're going to learn a lot about it. So I think it'd be a lot of fun because there's so much to learn with it, and everybody has these different techniques. Um, and you know, Mike Jones and I will text back and forth often about what we're smoking or grilling or whatever. And I think like what I always like too is like when I talk to Danielle, for example, I do the smoke beer can chicken. She said, try it with, instead of a beer can up the, up the chickens, you know, cavity, put in the, cut down the pineapple, put some pineapple up there. And it, and it was even better. So it just, it's the moisture. So like, yes, I like, I enjoy learning about that because everybody's got a different technique and there's so many different recipes and you can do anything. Like I've grilled pears, you know, I grill, I grill banana splits, all those kind of things. So yeah, I would, I would enjoy that as you can tell, you know, oh, yeah. I, you know, and yeah. it's funny because like, yeah, I have like some people, well, how do you stay? Like, I mean, I don't, you know, I'm still the same. I'm still a same weight forever. I don't do this all the time. It's just like once in a while. And so it's not like it's every day you're, you're grilling these, you know, brisket and pork belly and this, you know, and just fatty things that are really delicious. So it's just when you can, you do it. So, but it, you know, it is, it is, it is fun. Uh, you, you, you don't come to John Kime just for like the nose tackle technique. You also come for uh, shoving shoving uh, fruit up a up a chicken's cavity uh, technique. There you it go. Is, well, and like the, the hard part, Ben, is though because I live out in the country and we'll go for walks, and sometimes I feel like if I'm doing a brisket, these cows are giving me the evil eye as I walk <laughs> past, and I'm like, I'm swear to God, like I feel guilty. I'm like, I know they know what's going on. Like, you know, they smell like Charlie. Is that you? You know, but like it's oh, so no. that's. That that's 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 always kind of a bit freaky, but you know, sometimes I feel guilty. Poor 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 Charlie. Um, all right, this is really the only reason I had you on the podcast was to ask this question. Uh, you, how many years have you been in the on the beat here? Oh God, that that's, um, that's not the question, but since ninety four. Okay, so it's been a minute. It's uh, been a couple minutes. It's been an hour. I guess we could say it's been an hour. <laughs> so. You know, one of the things that like, you know, you talk about the things we all missed during this pandemic. I missed them going to the movies probably most, but from like a work perspective, you know, being in that in that media room um, got, you know, I've gotten to do right. the last few years. And, you know, it's like even though we're all a, a, a competition, you know, whatever, like it's, it, it, you know, the people in that room are more like coworkers than people I actually work right. with who I never see or, or whatever. Correct. And it's a lot of, you know, random bits, as we all like to say, but there's also obviously football talk. For sure. So based on all the time that you've had in there, if you have to take, if there's, you have to take the opinion of somebody else, th their opinion is now your opinion based on all your time in those rooms, whose opinion are you taking? 
I'll oh, let, I'll, man. Let you, I'll let you rule me out. Um, it just depends on the topic because like Paul Woody, when he was there back in the day, I respect the heck out of him. Jim Ducebella back in the day for long time fans of this team, you know, from, you know, Paul with the Richmond times is bad. Jim Ducebella from Virginia pilot. I really respected them um, because they covered the beat longer than I had. And I came up with them. So they would know things that I, that I, maybe didn't see right away. You know, so for me, it was a lot of the reporters, Dan Daly back in the day with the Washington Times. And then it depends like, you know, with Rick Snyder on, on certain aspects of reporting, right? So it depends on like, what are you, which aspect are you talking about? Um, but for, you know, but with Paul and Jim was, to me was different with them because, um, you know, they just, it was, it was a little bit different with them, but they're not there now. So like, I don't even know, if, you know, how much, people remember them, but they were, they were there when I was there and they were with me for a while. And, um, they're, they're my, I guess, uh, you know, elders, so to speak. So, um, you know, but now it's like, it just depends on the topic. I don't, I don't know that I necessarily, I mean, I respect a lot of people, Liz Clark, when she was out there, you know, Jason Reed, Mike Jones, you know, like, but it just depended on the topic. Um, because sometimes, you know, like which, what kind of an opinion are you talking about? Are you talking about performance? Are you talking about like, what, you know what I mean? Like, what is it? Is it a reporting question? If it's a report, you know, I mean, so I, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not giving you direct answers sometimes because it, to me, there's always like all this gray matter and it drives me nuts that I, that I can't just say this. Well, <laughs> so I mean, sorry. I, 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 in general, like I always believe like, the world is in the gray and the people want to like this is one of the things about like the twitter conversations everybody wants to be everything super black right. and white and obviously if we're talking about when who's going to win who's going to lose that can be some of that but like in general in life most of it's in the gray so i get that um that said yeah that that that's you know it's a, it's a little disappointing we, you know, we, we, we on that one we need you to we need you to uh give us the definitive person but i don't know that I, like there's but see like on a lot of these things i just you know i haven't thought of it so i don't know if there's anybody just necessarily right away and it just it would depend you know on certain things but i think like i would go back in the day it would be probably paul and jim um as much as anybody that that, that, that works um, I appreciate that. Um, John, I also appreciate your time. I kept you forever, as I told you I, I might. Is there anything? I think we, 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 we discussed a bunch. Is there anything that uh, we, we didn't hit on? Something like, you, you know, you, you I don't know, think you had the fifth grade flag football game I played at the YMCA that one time. Yeah. So how, what, what position were you? Oh, I was always quarterback. Yeah. At that age, at that age, at that age. Yeah. In I, fifth I, grade. Yeah. I, my, my favorite play, I played quarterback a little bit like a flag football. My favorite play was the um if if the center hiked the ball and you touched it and then the center then could just take the ball and Correct. run that was that we put our fastest player at that spot that was yeah. like my favorite play because we weren't we didn't exactly have a lot of playmaking talent on the outside we had to be creative with how we were going to uh <laughs> yeah we we're going to do things well, it is when you know and i coached flag football for my kids too that was i had a blast doing that um, but it also would have, it's funny because it told what it showed me. And I remember even talking to Kyle Shanahan about this. Cause like, you know, you're just like a, you're looking for plays or whatever, but then you realize I had coached two teams, one, my, my old, my older two kids and um, the middle child's team was better. And I had more playmakers and we ran the same damn plays for each team. And one team was good and made the playoffs. It was pretty good. The other team didn't win a game, same plays. And you realize 
ain't about the plays, man. It's about the Jimmys and the Joes. So, it's, but yeah, no. And, and, you know, my favorite time of flag football was in college at Ohio State that we had intramurals and you could have unlimited forward passing. So I would play quarterback and like, I was, I was a mobile, I was a, I was a ahead of my time. I was a mobile quarterback, but you could run 20 yards downfield because I had some speed. You run 20 yards downfield. They come up on you. You just dump it over the top for a touchdown. It was awesome. And so that, that was anyway, I don't now, know how I, but anyway, now, you know, now, you know, so, but that was a lot of fun. <laughs> and then we go back and watch Monday night football and have Bush beer. But but there, there's nothing like old school scores when when it ends with and we had this terrible beer that I would never uh, I would never, never have with. again. Yeah, it well, was for, cheap for, for us back in college. Uh, Natty Bo was the uh, no no yeah. sorry no, sorry Milwaukee's best was the, yeah uh, that we would buy like ten cases for the fraternity party like oh my god I can't believe we drink that sweat. it was there was like yeah the worst was always like yeah Schaefer then which I couldn't stand Schaefer and then some people would bring Schaefer light I'm like. Schaefer's bad enough, and you bring in Schaefer Light. My God, they, they did so, that too. With, we called it you know, Milwaukee's Beast, or Beast Light. Yeah, like, Milwaukee's worst. Yeah. Oh my God. Who but is- then, like, what's what's amazing is like Brandon Sheriff is a Bush Light guy. Like, what the hell? You know, I guess he's a lineman from Iowa, so I guess that's okay. But man, right? You right. know, he, I he mean, it's be- just you know, like, uh, I don't know. It, by, by, by he signed, way, he's got a big deal. I don't. <laughs> by the way, you mentioned him. I mean, just ask one sort of serious question. Obviously, he sounded pretty optimistic or hopeful, I guess, about about coming back. Uh, obviously, I think it's probably still too early to know. Uh, I'm uh, I, now that I've gotten away from the season a little bit. I'm a little like, eh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, is there like what? What's your skip? What do you have like a a one to ten level? Like you think he'll be back? Probably in that six, seven range, you know, and that's, you know, above, above 50 because there's a desire on both sides to get it done. And you have a coach who keeps preaching about the offensive line. You have an offensive line who says he wants to be here. The hard part is like, he's, they're going to have to pay him 15 million a year. That's a lot of, that's a lot of scratch, but you know, I, but that's what it takes. If you want to keep it, it's going to be at least probably 14 and a half to 15 a year, I would say. Right. Um, but then, you know, because of the cap this year, does it get in what, what happens with that? And, but um, so, yeah, but I, I would say in that six, seven range, I would think, you know, but I think if you had a ton of confidence, you're going to go in that eight, nine, 10 range, but I still think he'll be back. Right. I, I think like if we, if you had asked me the day we spoke to him at the end of the year, I might've said eight or nine, just cause he's you know, buying the options. But now that we're a little removed, I'm like, yeah, I think, I, I think I'm with you in that range. Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot depends. Like, do they like how much do they actually like Sadiq Charles? I think they actually like him a lot. And Schweitzer played pretty well. So if they decide, well, we're going to spend fifteen million, let's go get a left tackle. But I, I, you know, we'll see. I, I imagine they will try because Sheriff does a lot of stuff for them, and they know him and all that. Yeah, and then he is, and he is a he's a different level guard for them. And you know, it's then it's like, well, do you is there a value you put on positions as far as financial? Like you have this is a coach who keeps talking about both lines, so you clearly put a value on that. Um, and he doesn't put, he's not going to pay a safety a certain way, but you will pay these guys. Cause that's the value you put on those positions. And, and, and I think he's, he wants to build his team that way. And so if that's the case, you would think they get something done, but I don't know that it's going to be easy to pay 15 million for a guard. It's just, it's, a, it's a difficult, um, because it's not a playmaking position, but he is, he's good. I, I'm so mad at myself when I had Gruden on that I didn't ask if he would pay 15 million for a guard. 
<laughs> we took a guard in the first round. <laughs> that, that was my proudest moment. That was my question to him. I, I literally. That oh, was that was great. Moment, my proudest moment on the beat that 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 was the answer. Um, and it, and it's funny. And it's funny because like you know, and I I wouldn't take a guard in the top five. I just wouldn't. I would never do that. Um, and they, when they did, they thought he was going to be a tackle, and they quickly saw that he could not be. Um, and I remember talking to other teams at that time, like he's going to be a guard. I wouldn't, he doesn't have the, you know, he's not, is a tackle. No, no, no. But, and then we saw that against in that first training camp and it helped that Morgan Moses developed because then it's like, it allowed him to just go inside and be really good as a guard, which is what people told me, like he, he'll be a pro bowl, all pro at a guard. He will be kind of an average tackle. So, you know, um, but yeah, so I, yeah, I, but I, I don't know that I would ever take a guard that high, you know, I'm blanking. He's good. I'm blanking on who it was. Somebody told me that like there was like this. Uh, there was this guy who was like a what's his name? There was a linebacker. He was like sort of a special teams guy. Never really did it. He was around for like one year, and they said that basically he got the invite to stay because he was doing really good against Sheriff when Sheriff was at right tackle. And then and they realized oh he probably needs to go inside, but because he looked good against the guy who was a top five pick, right? I'm yeah. like yeah, who it was. I'll, I'll think of it later. Um, John, man, I definitely appreciate it. Obviously, go listen to John's podcast, the John Kime Report. You already read him on ESPN and all that stuff. But you know, keep keep, keep that up. John's John's got a you know he's got a family to feed and barbecue to make. So, <laughs> John, appreciate it, man. Thanks. Enjoy it, Ben. Thanks for having me on. All right, that's it for this episode of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Thanks to everybody for checking out the podcast. Of course, thanks to John Kime for being on and uh, staying on as long as he did. I warned him we might talk at length. We did. Um, that's it for this week. Obviously, lots to lots still to talk about here with regards to this team. And, um, you know, if the Wizards would be a little more interesting, we could get to them. And same thing with Georgetown or whatever else. But we'll, 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 keep, we'll, we'll keep batting around some ideas. For sure. Uh, more to come, though, here on the Standing Room Only podcast. Check us out. Uh, subscribe on iTunes or anywhere you do your podcasting. And, of course, check me out on The Athletic. That's it for now. Ben Standing signing off. And until next time, see ya.